Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hello, and welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jared and I are here this evening. How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming on again. You're welcome. So Jared's just going to be pretty much a regular guest as we've been thinking through a series that we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing this together. and So I'm going to be regular for this series and yeah. then kind of irregular every once in a while, semi-regular on the He's the most the easy person for me to grab to say, hey, come <laughs> and talk to me on the podcast. So he's going to be pretty regular. I'm also going to have other people coming on just like I have been, but Jared will be on for the next few as we're going to, I'll introduce At least three. In At least bit. three. Yeah. I would say. Maybe four. Okay. I haven't, I haven't, so, anyways, it is starting to be fall flavor around the Sparks house. We love fall, and the boys have been begging me for a very long time to put up the fall decorations. And we had one more summery event. We went to Jack's Fork River in Missouri, in Eminence, Missouri, and we absolutely love it there. We stay at Circle B Campground, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And um, that was like our last summer hurrah, and I said, after we get back from that, we can put up fall decorations. And, and I don't know what our kids are more excited about, the trip to right, Jack's Ford. Or getting or, home to put up right, the fall to put decorations. the decorations up. Yeah. So the day we got home, they are like, can we put them up? Can we put them up? I was like, just wait till the morning. I have to do laundry. So we, um, the next morning, woke up and like at 6 a.m. put up fall decorations. So everything is very fallish fall in our house here. right now. And I yep. love... I love putting out fall decorations because of all the warm colors. Everything is now a hue of orange in our house, and I absolutely love it. Do you like fall better or spring better? Fall. Really? Yeah. Hmm. What about you? I think fall, probably. But I do like spring, but there's so many aspects of fall that I like. Jared loves October. I do. It's October is great. November's great. Oktoberfest I mean, beer comes out. All the leaves are turning. Remember that one drive to Louisville that we took? Yes, and, it was and really you pretty. couldn't get over yourself about the leaves. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> and October is over and over again. Both season are you starts serious? October first. That's the most important thing. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. What are you doing in preparation for bow season? Um, just thinking through where I'm going to hunt and just having a better plan, more specific plan that'll be better for us this year, mm-hmm. that you'll be better prepared what did, what for. What did we learn last year from our hunting season? One, we learned that I, I can't be at the window all the time, just looking out the window when <laughs> things need to be done in the mornings. Our mornings are really important here. They've always been really important here. but We, we do a lot from like six o'clock to eight o'clock. We like jam as much as possible in before the day quote unquote starts. Yeah. Um, but I learned to be more lenient with you during bow season, yeah. hopefully. Well, I'm going to just get days on the calendar, and hopefully those days weather-wise, they may have to be modified a little bit depending upon the weather and how it looks. But I've got two options, and I'm really focusing in on my primary option, which is here in the yard, actually. So I'm hoping to get some big ones. That I, which would be I, really I, cool. It would be really cool right in the yard. If we could use our property to harvest an animal, that would make me feel, I don't know, it would just be really neat. Well, it's just a really neat feeling thinking about making your home as productive as possible. Right. And if you were to happen to get a deer on our property, it would just feel like, wow, that's really neat. We don't have to go anywhere else to do that. It's the same as like whenever we get produce out of our garden mm-hmm. that we planted. Yeah. It's like, man, it feels really neat to produce from our own land. Yeah. 
Not that it's not cool to, you know, go and support a farmer. That's awesome too and a blessing, but there's just something special about your home producing something. Yeah. Well, option, option two, if it's not on our home is half a mile away. Mm -hmm. Tom, our friend Tom's house, he's got, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 acres, something like that. And he's got, it's like, it's a, a curated hunting experience because there's roads like deer highways that are cut out Mm -hmm. and then stands all and through i mean through his property there's probably 30 stands set up and he takes me around and shows me each one he lets me hunt there and it's it's fun and ransom's gonna be hunting with you some this year and he's gonna be sitting in a stand this year for his shotgun season Mm -hmm. so for bow season he really i don't know it it'll be a little bit easier i think for him to go and sit Mm -hmm. we'll probably sit in a blind for shotgun Mm -hmm. season and then you're gonna come this year right i would love to (laughs) are you gonna get a babysitter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, kind of shocking response, actually. I didn't think you'd no, say that. No, I think that would be fun. Oh, well, can you be quiet? Yeah, I can be quiet. Okay. Well, you can come. You got to get some camo. Okay. You don't really have to have camo, but it's I mean, fun. I want to get a bow, like Katniss Everdeen style bow. And, and yeah, which ran- did, like like that bow that Ransom just made out of that stick. Is what like you want. that's kind of the style of bow that you're I gonna have like to post that. In the Instagram yeah. stream. <laughs> Sorry, folks, we're yawning. It's very late around here. It's 7.36 right now. So we're winding down. <laughs> um, but anyways, Ransom found a really good stick that is kind of bendy, and he made a really cool bow out of it. That's pretty but cool. Anyway, so the series... Should we go ahead and talk about the series? Yeah, in- okay. introduce it. So we are going to start a series about the household, the people, the members of the household, and what God says to each of those members and what their role is and how to best honor God in our roles as members of the household. And then just like how our homes are little microcosms of God's household, that we shadow the true household of the household of God is God, yeah. our father, Christians around us as our brother and sisters. And so in the household, you have a household created when a husband and wife come together. The man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And boom, you have a household there. And then from that, if God blesses the, the family with a baby and ch- children, then you have the husband and wife turn into a husband and wife and also then a father and a mother. So when we think about the roles within a household, so as we work through this, we're talking about the man's role, the father's role, who's also a husband, the wife's role, who's also a mother, and then children. So we think three weeks and today we're talking about father, husband. Mm-hmm. I also want to do one on grandparents. And your grandparents. Okay, so fourth Just week. Just to add in. Yeah, grandparents, fourth week. And, and yeah, so Jesus is our federal head. He is the head of his house, and we are members of his household. And the whole goal in the life of the Christian family, and the, you know, Presbyterians and Baptists are going to break this down a little bit differently, but Presbyterians obviously have focused on households, and that's a, a good thing. It's a, it's a good thing to focus on the household, and Baptists do as well. But we just focus in on it in a little bit different way and see things a little bit differently. It comes down to covenant theology and how you understand the people of God and all of that. All of those things aside, and all those things are important, what does God have to say to a man who is married, so as a husband and a father? And how does that look like in a home? Now, the whole thing about this is that every single man who's going to be hearing this and every single woman who's going to be hearing this, this is predominantly women, obviously. When we hear about God's role for men in the home, Every lady out there shouldn't be thinking, oh, no, my, my husband, you know, all these things, and be, immediately be thinking about what your husband does or doesn't do and that kind of thing. 
I am not coming as an expert, somebody who's got all this figured out. And as Jordan and I lay this stuff out, there are things that we know that God has shown us in his word that we are striving for by the grace of God. And there's no condemnation in the pursuit of obedience. And as we obey the Lord, we're not coming at it for justification. We're coming from justification. All those things need to be said as caveats on the front end. Because if we talk about this ideal, it's so much easier to know the right thing to do. And then it's the harder thing to do, even with the power of the Holy Spirit and the clarity of God's law, to walk in that. And sometimes doing what's right can be a difficult process to get there. And so when we realize, okay, wait, I'm doing something wrong. I want to do something course correct and do it in the right way. It still can take a take time to get there. Right. So we're not saying that we're complete experts. and We oh, have everything not. of the household figured out. Right. Um, and that's why even a single, a pastor who is not married yet could still preach about how to be a father or how to be a husband because the Bible talks about those things. You yeah. don't have to have the experience of yeah. those things to be able to know what God says about those things. So when we talk, we're not going to be talking about just, here's our experience. We've been married 12 years now and obviously I'm sure we, have we all will the talk about our experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, but what we mainly want to do is focusing on God's yeah. word. Yeah. So um, backing up a little bit, why is it important regardless of denomination to care about the household? Well, it's important because the scriptures speak to this. And one of the things when, it, when we look at the qualifications of an elder is that he manages his, own household, manages his own household well. So that's a command to the man, the father. But also there's implications for the wife as well and the mother because in Titus chapter 2, we find that she's got roles and responsibilities in her household as well. And so she's a manager in the household in a different way. And so both are managers of the household, but just in unique ways and different ways. One has to do with authority. The other has to do with things and, and functions within the home itself. Mm-hmm. And so one has to do with responsibility, and the other has to do with the ways God has designed her to function with her husband and children. And so there are commands given to God's people and given to households that matter and we need to take attention, you know, pay attention to that right. and then walk in that. So again, you know, again, it doesn't matter, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever, God has commands mm-hmm. to us in our households. Yeah. And then as you're talking about this one, um, about fathers and about husbands, wives have a tendency, like you said, when they hear these kind of things to be like, oh, he's dropping the ball on that. Instead of I just want to encourage listeners as they're listening through this one to husbands and fathers, instead of thinking of shortcomings, think of it through lenses of, I am a helper. How can I help him in this? Mm-hmm. So as you're hearing Jared talk about what God says to dads and husbands, think about, I am a helper. It's my job to help my husband to strive towards these things, not beat him over the head with shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And isn't it easy? I mean, obviously every fight where you're seeing all the things that your spouse is doing to the negative. And, and that is like the highlight of the conversation. And what you forget to see is all the things that God is doing to the positive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can get so negative when it comes to relational aspects where you literally are just laser focused in on the issues, of the, the problems with the the husband or the problems with the wife. And so try to uh, not let each other off the hook because we want to to be a helper. No, 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 it's not, it's not helping at all. It's not helping just to overlook bad behaviors Mm -hmm. for both the husband or the wife. And for the husband, he is called to lead his wife. And that means lead her and help her out of sin. And for the wife being the helper, it doesn't help for her to be an enabler. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is a, not a, you know, just pat each other on the back with each other's failures kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's also not a thing where you can, ba- you know, bash each other the, over the head with uh, condemnation right. either. Yeah, I think a lot of arguments could have been avoided if I would have stopped and just prayed for you about certain things 
and then encouraged you rather than nagging mm-hmm. <laughs> and sinning against you and nagging and being critical and judgmental. Well, and it's, it's a two-way street because there's a mm-hmm. lot. If I would have just listened and paid attention right. rather than just mm-hmm. you know thinking I know every aspect and detail of what's going on immediately right now mm-hmm. at every single angle, and then if I would have been patient. But we want to talk about this. I think it's going to be helpful as you're thinking through a lot of these things. And also, it can be a resource for some other ladies and, and some people within the church to be thinking through, you know, what does a household, a healthy household look like? And mm-hmm. so as we put on these different hats, husband, father, wife, mother, uh, and then children, what their obligations are before the Lord and to the family, and then grandparents, as we talk about that as well, hopefully this will be just fun. And I mean, I want to have some fun with it. I mean, it's always fun thinking through this stuff. I enjoy thinking mm-hmm. about this. So, uh, Husbands, fathers. So when we think about the head of household, there are different hats. I already said the hats thing, but there's different hats that the man wears. And I've spoken a lot about this on my podcast, talking about who is a man and what does a man do? Because so much of the father and the husband role has to do with the identity of the man. And that man has to know, first and foremost, that he belongs to the Lord, that he is secure in who Christ is and what Christ has done. But he also knows that he gets his commands from his master and that he's also his master's servant. So he is a son, child of God. And he belongs to the Lord, and he is also a servant of the Most High God. And so he has a master, a king. And that man needs to know that his household is first and foremost under the submission of the Lordship of Christ, which means his posture has to be one of submission to his Lord, which is also the posture of his wife, and it should be the posture of his children as well as soon as possible. And that's the Lordship that we're bringing them into and wanting them to walk in all the days of their life. That's what we want to see in the lives of our children. And so the man has to be a man that's submitted to the Lord if the household is going to function in a proper manner. All marriage problems are repentance problems. All failures in manhood or in womanhood, being a husband or a father, are not just personality traits that have gone awry. They're not just baggage from your childhood, although that can play a role in it. Ultimately, the issues that we face have to deal with repentance. It has to deal with sin. Mm -hmm. And so a man... To be the man he's to be is to be a repentant man. And so in the garden, you have this broad biblical spectrum of manhood. And this is going to be carried into both being a husband first and then a father. And so when you think about manhood in the Bible, and these words, you hear these words, and you think, okay, I can know where these come from in, in the scope of the scriptures. A man is, is made to worship, work, protect, provide, lead, and love. And then that's going to be applied in the way he is a husband. And that's going to be applied in the way that he's a father. And so first and foremost, as a husband, he is going to follow in the footsteps of his master Jesus, who is being a husband to his bride. So he is being a husband to his bride, the church. And so that man is learning what it means to be a husband through how Christ is being a head of his household. He is learning to be the head of house through Christ by seeing how Christ cares for his sheep, loves his sheep, washes them with the water of the word, sacrifices, gives himself up for her, leads her, wields the authority that he has within the church with grace, with grace and courage. And so he's learning this from Christ himself. And that's why it's so critical that the man has to be a submissive man to Jesus because he's learning all this from Christ. And then that's going to carry over then, not just in how he's treating his wife, but the man is now also, as he becomes a father, responsible to raise his children up in the fear and admonition or the discipline and the instruction of the Lord or the paideia of the Lord, the mm-hmm. culture of the Lord. God has been gracious out of the 7.2 billion people in the world. 
if you are privileged to have kids, if you are given the gift of children, God has given you those children out of all the billions of people in the world. And that is a tremendous grace to those children. You are the a person that God is graced with, and you're even listening to this podcast right now. You're connected to a local church. You have friends that love Jesus, and God has put those children in your life right in the pathway of hearing the gospel of Jesus over and over and over, and right in the pathway of this little kingdom outpost called your household to where they're learning the ways of the kingdom. They're learning what normal is, mm-hmm. and they're, they're getting definitions for what a man is, for what a husband is, what a father is. And that's going to shape the way they live their life, the rest of their life. And if you want to see some interesting statistics, and this is, I don't know if you remember me talking about fatherhood.gov. I've yeah. talked about that quite a bit. I'll pass this back to Jordan here in a minute. Oh, no, um, I always end up hijacking No, I want you to. <laughs> As you listen to um, the statistics that come out, and, and year after year, fatherhood.gov, which is even put together by the federal government, they know what the issues are within this country. In its fatherlessness, mm-hmm. we live in a father-hungry world. To pull Doug Wilson's title, Father Hunger, out and point to that great book, by the way. And so that's the, the implications of the power of a, of, a, of a good man or a bad man mm-hmm. are seen right. in hardline statistics mm-hmm. where if you remove the man from the home, and the statistics are based on just the presence of a father in the home. Mm-hmm. Not even a good father. There's not even a statistic of, or there's not even measurements or measurables of what, what a good father like or bad what, father is. It's just yeah, literally much, removing the father from the home. Mm-hmm. And those children's <clears throat> life just completely unravels. It falls apart and it's staggering. So the, the, a man has a tremendous power to the good or the bad. And that's why you have met so many older men who have lived their entire life in the shadow of their father living to literally men in their 60s, 70s, 80 years old, 80 years old, wanting to have the approval of their father. Mm. And then you see little girls grow up into women who want and long for the approval of their father. Mm. And so absence or abusive fathers can do tremendous damage. And then the good father can do a tremendous good. So one line that I've said the last couple of years that I think has been helpful for me to think through this, why has there been so much rage against the patriarchy? And I think there's two primary reasons. Number one, we live in a fatherless generation, and they are tremendously angry at their father for not being there. Mm-hmm. So that's the first reason, father absence. But the second reason is jealousy. Because when you see a good father, everybody... You long for you that. You long for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So This Is Us. Why did everybody love This Is Us? The oh. TV show. For the first couple seasons until it got the gay stuff and weird right. stuff. Right. <laughs> um, because of the dad. Because of the dad. Mm-hmm. And Jack you, Pearson. That's Jack Pearson. That's right. The lady said crushes on him. Not that Jordan did. She only crushes mm-hmm. on me, of course. Oh, 100. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there was something, and there was a pull about that character. If you didn't see that, that show, it's just a really compelling father mm-hmm. figure in the show. And it's like ladies are attracted to this man who's leading his family. Mm-hmm. And in the show, he does some things that ladies today say they hate. Like he sent his entire family out one time and purchased a, a family vehicle and made the decision himself. Like didn't even consult his wife. His, mm-hmm. Sent his wife outside with the kids, made the decision, bought the car. And his wife was just tremendously, you know, like, oh my goodness, you love us. And how great are mm-hmm. you? And let's go make out kind of thing. <laughs> and... Uh, Whereas ladies today, in the, the family structures that we have built today, rage against that kind of mm-hmm. idea. At least they say they do. And so when you see or recognize a good man, people long for that. So people rage against the patriarchy because they're angry at their father for not being there. And they desperately, they long for a good dad. And, mm-hmm. and they're jealous of those who have them. So when you see a good father, people want to be around that man. Mm-hmm. And that's why the, a, a good man, a good father, will end up collecting 
young men around him mm -hmm. uh, that respect him and revere him because they all are trying to get that and they didn't get it from their dad. And so mm -hmm. they are just, there's this compelling force. There's this gravitas to a good man. Mm -hmm. When we think about the household and we do this little series here, it's critical. We're just scratching the surface, guys. There's so much more that can be said about this. And ladies, we're just scratching the surface mm -hmm. here. But there's this longing, even as I talk about it, it's mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, this is the man that I want to be. That I mean, it, it's so much easier to describe. I mean, I talk for a living. So it's so much easier to describe what I want to be and what I long to be than it is to be the man that I want to be and long to be. And I think it's that way for every single man. But what we got to get is this biblical vision that, that God calls us to be. And that's first and foremost, a head of household like Jesus and a husband like Jesus. And then we want to come alongside and be like a father, like our heavenly father. So we have within the Trinity itself, these ideas, these concepts. It's hard to, I mean, theology proper is so difficult to think through, but we have Christ as our model husband. And we learn graciousness, courage, power, all of this from him. We learn what it means to live with no condemnation because of his sacrificial love. And then the father rule of God, where God is fatherly over us. He cares for us. He loves us. He's gracious to us. We don't have to run away from him. We get to run to him. And we learn how to be a good father. And this sets the foundation for a household to be able to function in the way God calls a household to function. Mm -hmm. And as women are listening to this, I know I'm like, yes, that's what we want. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Like it just stirs up so much a feeling of like that, that is exactly right. But then on the day-to-day -day life, the wife can often step in and undercut the husband in his attempts to be actually practically doing this. So I think a caution to us as wives, as you know, we see that our husbands are called to this kind of a leadership in the home and father rule in the home and we want that to actually want that in day-to-day -day life. So that means not usurping authority in disciplinary situations with the kids. Mm. So like, just like practically, if the dad disciplines a child and the mom gets in the middle of it, mm -hmm. does it sound familiar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the mom gets in the middle of it. Okay, do you really want that father rule? Do you really want your husband to walk in that authority in the home? Do you really want that strong father figure that your children adore and want to be around? Then trust him to be a good dad. Trust him to make those decisions. Trust him to lead well and lead in a godly way. And don't knock his feet out from under him when he's trying to do that. <laughs> well, here's the thing too about fathers is they have authority, God-given authority. And ladies have God-given authority in other areas within the home. But when it comes to the leadership of the household, God will hold men accountable for how he led in the same way that God will hold shepherds accountable for how they have shepherded and cared for God's people. Not many of you should desire to be teachers, brothers, because you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. In the same way, a father has responsibility in his home. And it's not just that the buck stops with the father. It's also that God holds us responsible for what happens within our household. And we don't household. exactly know all the details of how that's going to play out when it comes to judgment, when it comes to the eternality of the eternal state, and how all this works when it comes to standing face-to-face -face before the Lord. But we do know that there is uh, a great responsibility to mm -hmm. that. And and sometimes the, the man is going to mess up. Sometimes the, the father, because and he's like not perfect, said, is like not going to be said, the best. That doesn't mean that a wife allows sin. 
mm-hmm. you know, that's not, doesn't mean that we overlook a, a sinful situation or anything no, like no, that. No. Um, we do not be silent in those kind of situations. Exactly. Um, that, yeah, yeah. that would be wrong. Can we, can we talk about that? Cause like father rule patriarchy and which is a big thing right now, obviously in the last few years, Christian patriarchy has made a, a really a, a massive comeback as there's been pushback against complementarianism and some of the shortcomings there with complementarianism, especially the, the light stuff and, and some of the weird things that have been happening the last few years with that. But there can be, certainly can be, a pendulum swing right. to where father rule means I'm in charge all the time. I'm the man. Everybody get in line. Bring me my sweet tea. I'm the tea. master of the house. And it's not wrong for a wife to bring her husband no, sweet tea. She absolutely do to. it. But when the man gets this posture where he thinks I'm, I'm the king of the mountain, king of the hill, mm-hmm. rather than... than true sacrificial love and leadership Mm -hmm. and authority, then there's things out of balance. And a a wife, to be a helper, cannot be an enabler. And it Mm -hmm. is disrespectful and dishonoring to her husband, whether the husband receives that or not, for a wife to overlook sins without addressing it. It doesn't mean being a nag, Mm -hmm. but it does mean praying and saying, hey, honey, this this is not right. And the husband should be godly enough, I mean, in the Lord, to say, yeah, you're right, honey. That was wrong. I'm sorry. That it, I, I've got to change that and be patient. I, I want to. I'm asking for the Lord's help, and I need to repent of that and turn from that. And the men should do that. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean the father rule patriarchy does not mean, um, you know, abuse of abuse of power in any way. Mm-hmm. But it does mean real power that needs to be demonstrated in the ways that God would have us demonstrate it. Yeah. So a real quick just thought on discipline, since we talked about that a second ago. So uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So uh, I think it is primarily the dad's job to set the tone for discipline in the home. Um, of course, I think the mom is like going to be more of a day to day enforcer of that, but the dad should be setting the plan of what is to be enforced yep. through day to day. And then I just think it's really cool. Um, that Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 goes on to say, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Yeah. So um, just thinking through that, like not to be afraid of father-led discipline in the home because yeah. I think because the moms are carrying out this day-to-day discipline that we can think, no, that's actually, I'm in charge of that mm-hmm. and don't get in the middle of it. And I think... A lot of times that can cause a lowering of the dad's position in the home of yeah. like, no, the home is actually where I am in charge. I am I am carrying this out day to day. Don't get in the middle of what we've been working on. You yeah. know, the dad comes home and he tries to then be in charge of discipline and the wife is like, don't mess with what I've got going on. Yeah. And I think that's, that's critical because the husband, as he is setting the pace and as he is um, learning fatherhood, and learning how to discipline through God the Father disciplining mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I mean, these things all to go together. That's why a man being submissive is so so critical. But the husband and wife are one flesh. And then the husband, with the authority God has given him, is delegating authority to his wife. Mm-hmm. This happens in so many different ways. It happens with education of children. It happens with discipline, as we're talking about right now, because part of education is disciplinary. So mm-hmm. education and discipline go together. And I think the warning, specifically in Ephesians chapter 6, as the children are commanded to honor your, your father and mother, so that, that is a command that it may go well with you. Fathers, it says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, as a one flesh reality, a lot of that, the father's going to have to delegate this to his wife as well. And 
think this warning is there for the men because there's some impulse in men mm-hmm. about instead of creating discipline and structure in the home, there is a warning here, a subtle warning, but I think a clear warning of instead of creating discipline and structure in the home that's delegated to the wife, the father can actually create an atmosphere of provoking mm-hmm. of a lot of trivial things, a lot of like what people used to call tomfoolery, where it's just, <laughs> and playing around is fun. I mean, mm-hmm. wrestle their kids all the time, but there should be a gravitas about the father. Mm-hmm. The father should be able to be serious and the the children respond to that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a warning there for, for men because there can be this, you know, advocating of responsibility and passing that off to our wives, thinking, no, our wives can handle that and they take care of that. And we, instead of doing what we're called to do, we actually end up provoking our children to anger because of the discord that we cause by not leading in that. Okay, so one thing I was thinking could be helpful, just practically speaking, for a wife to encourage her husband in this is perhaps she goes to him and says, hey, this is what I'm thinking education-wise. What do you mm-hmm. think? Can you make this final decision for us? Mm-hmm. Like maybe he's not as involved as you are yep. as in education. Or <clears throat> whatever decision is being made around the home that the wife feels like well this is my domain but you actually want your husband to be leading in it be like hey this is some research that i've done on this these are the these are the options will you pray about it make this final decision mm-hmm. um i think we overlook the blessing that it is to have a husband that leads a household yeah. because i remember whenever we were um choosing our curriculum for school and i was just like so over so overwhelmed with the options i had read so many things about so many different curriculums and i was like they all sound good but i like these but i like this one but this one's expensive but this one would be better long term and mm-hmm. just thinking through all of them i just like handed it off to you and like yeah. will you pray about it and just make the best decision that you think is right for us mm-hmm. and you're like yeah i absolutely will i'm and- gonna take a week i'm gonna pray about it and then i'll tell you this day and I was like, okay, thank you. And just what a weight is lifted from my shoulders. And I think that we overlook what a blessing it actually is to trust our husbands to lead us and to lead our families. And that that burden, like you said, is on you. That's on your shoulders, the way that you lead our home. And if I can just give that to you, like (laughs) submit it to you, that it's actually a blessing that the Lord sets up the household in a way that it is a blessing to all members of the home. Yeah. And what I loved about that, I think it's a good example And it really plays itself out in a lot of different households in different ways because Mm -hmm. some men are the planners. They're the structure people. And they're able to say, here's the list of everything we've got to get and everything we've got to do. And they're just list people to the T. They've thought about every single thing and they've thought about every curriculum. And then others where I'm not as highly administrative as many people are. Administration is something I really struggle with. So one of the ways you, you act were very helpful for me and were submissive to my authority was doing what you just did. And I think that's a way for a lot of ladies where if your husband is not this you know admin guy and you're thinking, okay, so what are the ways that you can help him and yet still acknowledge that he needs to make some of these decisions when it comes to the education of their children or whatever it may be, that's just an example, um, then that is a, a great way to do that. And then men, if you listen in, if your life's like, hey, honey, I want you to listen to this, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be, and you're listening in, it's like, hey, you've got you've to see that this is a responsibility that God has given you. You can't just go with the flow on everything. You've got to make some decisions. And your wife needs you to make some decisions. And your family needs you to make some decisions. Your children, your young boys, and your daughters need, you to, need to see you be the kind of man that is able to take information, to pray about it, and then make a decision and not look back. And if you make a mistake, if you make the wrong decision, to be able to say, I'm sorry, I blew it, that was wrong, 
And then they need to see a mom that's not going to make him feel like an idiot for it. For the and, rest of his life. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you remember when you made that bad call, whatever it may be? Mm-hmm. And so th- these are just small ways. We're just throwing out options. And, and guys, you're smart enough to be able to piece these things together and figure mm-hmm. out how this works. But as we work through these, you know, we're father, I mean, husband, father, wife, mother, children, grandparents, things. Just be thinking through biblically. And we're probably going to say, I'm going to say some things that you've heard before, probably thought about before, and maybe thought out even in greater detail than we have before. But we just want to be a resource and helpful to you in any way that we can be and have some fun along the way. I mean, I always have a good time. I've been on like several of the last Proofland and Fearless. So it's been mm-hmm. fun to, you know, I keep saying crash the party, but it's been a good time. You're just a part of the party. At okay. This at this point. Um, uh, one last thing that I've said this before, but just an encouragement and submission is remembering that as we are submitting that we are submitting to our husbands but we're ultimately ultimately submitting to scripture and god's call to us to submit to our husbands this is not submitting to our husband because he's a perfect man this is submitting to god's word and god's authority over us when he tells us to submit to our husbands Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of comfort in that of like you know what even if my husband messes up then I'm being obedient to God. It doesn't matter. My job isn't to make everything work perfectly. Ultimately, just knowing that like God is in control and He cares for your family and that you can trust the Lord and that you can trust His plan for the family. It's good stuff. There's a million more things that could be said, but I think that covers what we wanted to cover. Okay, cool. It's good stuff. So tune in in a couple weeks and we'll cover mothers. Thanks for listening. If you go to www.fruitfulandfearless.com, you can check out the membership that has tons of resources of like-minded women striving to become the moms, wives, and members of their local churches that God has called them to be. You can check out cooking groups, baking groups, natural medicine groups, birth and fertility groups. We have our cookbook on there. There's all kinds of resources. Check it out.